0: Whenever we experience difficulties of technology, it's always a good reminder that uh, the power is not in the instruments, the power is in the gospel. Because if we think about how the gospel reached to us today, uh, those guys who were the first um, stewards of the gospel, uh, they never had what we have today. So sometimes uh, we need to extend so much grace to the guys who are the back there who are working so hard so that every Sunday we can have the great sounds. and uh, I could see how uh, the room, like things are not working the way they should have been working. And uh, if you are maybe a guest you are visiting us for the first time, I would love to say that this is not how things looks like every Sunday. I know in the world of technology, you might want to judge us based on the, the, the instruments, the organizational stuff. I think the best thing is that um, the message has come across as we hear the kids, what is happening this December. Christmas is not about gift only. You know, it's about what Christ the Savior has done for us, what he came to do and has done for us. In fact, myself, I'm one of those people. I don't trust much of the electronic stuff because they can go wrong any time. So, but I hope you understand. Our uh, apology to those of you who are visiting us for the first time. For all the conveniences in terms of what is happening this morning, we might even not have my slides on the screen, and as a result of um, of um, all the issues that we're having with technology, but that is not going to stop us from really sharing God's words this morning. Still going to share God's words. And uh, thank you once again uh, for choosing to be with us this morning, especially to those of you who are visiting for the first time. So we continue. We've got a short series uh, that we are looking at, The King is Born. Uh, We started last week, and uh, today is week two. it is about the announcement. Uh, the Angel Gabriel announced to Zechariah. That's what we looked at last week. That he would have a son, and Zechariah and the wife Elizabeth, they haven't. Um, they, 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 they they had this hope of having a, a child, but then times goes by, and he was old, she was old, and they gave up. They gave up on wanting to have a child. But yet, then they receive an announcement from uh, the angel Gabriel coming from the Lord, to say that you are going to be a father. You are going to have a child. Um, Zechariah then will become the father of the forerunner and cousin of the long-awaited Messiah, Jesus Christ. So he will be the father of the forerunner called John. That's what we looked at last week, who is a cousin of Jesus Christ. And uh, what we saw happening with Zechariah last week, with, uh, uh, with Zechariah and Elizabeth, is the similar kind of miracle that we saw with Abraham. hundred years old, Abraham received the promise from God. Then we've got Isaac. And then it's all coming from one descendant to the other. And there is a promise of the Messiah who is going to be born, who is going to come from the descendant of David. And today, we are going to be looking and. We're going to be looking at another announcement that is coming from the same angel Gabriel, but this time it's not to Zechariah and Elizabeth, but this time it's to a young girl named Mary. Mary, she's going to be receiving an announcement. And there are two things that I want to bring across to us this morning. The first one is God's grace is not always convenient. That's what we are going to be, uh, I'm going to be looking at. God's grace is not always convenient. And the second point is the appropriate response of worship. You know, how do we respond when things are not working according to our way? How should we respond when things are not working according to our plans? And this is exactly what had happened to this young girl called Mary. And we can learn a lot from what, how she responded... To the announcement because the announcement was just not a small announcement. This is not an announcement to say that by the end of this month, you uh, you should leave this house. That would have actually been an easy one because she could have gone and looked for another place to rent. The announcement is massive. It's got to throw things around and we are going to be discovering that shortly. So if you don't mind, please turn with me to uh, Luke chapter 1 Last week, we read verse 1 to 25, and today we are going to be reading from, oh, there you go, the thing I don't trust the most, but it's working. <laughs> Who gets the glory? It's not me. Oh, yes, God gets the glory, and the guys are the sound disc. Um, so, we read from verse 26 uh, to 38. I want to read into parts, two parts, so we read from uh, 26 to 38, then we will look at the in part later on. So we read God's word. In the sixth month, angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, all favored one." The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled to the same, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And the angels, the angel answered her, oh, "The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren." For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is God's word. And... um, There are quite a lot of things that we can take from this. This leads me to my first point of God's grace is not always convenient. I want you to notice that if we are to look at the same angel who went to Zechariah last week and contrast with the conversation, contrast Zechariah and Mary, how they responded to the announcement, the same angel, but their response are very different and very interesting. Even in the announcement itself, the way Gabriel brings it, we discover that there is no mention of joy and gladness when it comes to the announcement that he gives to Mary compared to the way he gave the announcement to Zechariah last week. And the question we have to ask is why did the angel leave out the point of Joy and gladness when announcing this news to Mary, yet he included gladness and joy when announcing it to Zechariah. But it's the same kind of announcement. Your sister Elizabeth, she's pregnant. You are going to be pregnant as well. The difference here is that pregnancy for an unmarried girl is much more problematic than for a barren married woman. That's the difference. Mary was not married, Elizabeth was married. God changed Mary's plans dramatically. All that she had planned was going to change. She is a young woman in a well-respected family engaged to a good man. This announcement is a lot more risky for Mary and for her future. than the announcement that was given to Zechariah and to Elizabeth... How does Mary respond and what can we learn from her and Zechariah? What can we learn from the way that Mary responded to this announcement and how, what can we learn from the way that Zechariah responded to the announcement? As said, God's grace is not always convenient and there is a lot that we can learn from these two announcements you notice that if you read the entire story, you want to go into the background of Joseph and Mary, their family, both families, they could not claim to be wealthy or femme. They, they could not. They were not wealthy family, or they were not, these two people were not coming from a family that they've got so much fame that they were known, that they, were, they had a certain status in, status in community. No. Also, we know that Joseph was just a merely simple trader. He was a carpenter in a small town. God's grace is not always convenient. But yet we see here that God moved towards this young lady and the favored her. That's what Gabriel said. Gabriel declares Mary favored by God or blessed when he says, greetings Oh, favored one, the Lord is with you. And the response from Mary is that she's so scared, she's afraid. That's what we are told. Gabriel repeats in verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. This expression, found favor... Is common in the Old Testament. When you study the Old Testament, you will find that this appears over 40 times. Found favor, found favor. The same Greek words written here in the Greek translation of the Old Testament again and again. Gabriel is saying, Mary, God is going to show you an imaginable grace that is going to pour over your life. You are going to experience the grace that you never experienced before. God will give you a privilege so far beyond your deserving that you will be overwhelmed, Mary. You are going to see God's end, you are going to see God's favor. Then the angel goes on and explains the favor in verses 31 and 33. To Mary, to say, This is what is going to be happening. Behold, you will conceive in your home and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Referring to our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at these words, great. That's what the angel is saying to Mary. The child you are going to be carrying is going to be great. What does it mean? It's going to be the son of the most high God. Then he also mentioned that the son of David. He will receive David's throne based on a lot of prophecies that we encounter in the book of Isaiah. Jeremiah spoke about it, how God keeps the covenant, and he spoke about it in Jeremiah 30, thirty-one, thirty-one, where he spoke about God promising uh, promise to his people the promise of redemption. And then here the the angel said, he will reign over the house of Jacob. This simply means that he will reign over all Israel, all God's covenant people forever. The Messiah is going to reign over Israel, over all God's covenant people forever. His kingdom will never end. The kingdom of our lord will never end by the way it's good to know that the jewish nation has been waiting hundreds of years for the promised son of david to arise and become their king they've been waiting for years and years now in the story here we see mary is the one who is going to be the fulfilling channel. God is going to use Mary now to fulfill the promise that they've been waiting for hundreds and hundreds of years. The long-awaited Messiah, Mary is going to be carrying this king. A young girl from Norway. A young girl with no prominence chosen by God to be the mother of the Messiah. Nobody When we read the scriptures in the New Testament, we are taught God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. That's what the Bible tells us. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. That's what we are taught in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 27. And this is exactly what is happening with Mary here. Now, it, is, it can happen with any of us, not that you are going to the ladies, you are going to carry another Messiah, but we are going to discover later that God doesn't change. That's what God does. He took the people, the nobodies, the weak, and he uses them because he wants to shame those who claim to be the wise in this world. Now, remember last week how Zechariah responded when he was told that he and his barren wife would have a son. He did not respond by saying, Yes, Lord, to the angel. He asks the angel, How shall I know this is true? In verse 18, How shall I know that this is true? Is asking for a sign. I want to see a sign. You have to tell me what is the sign that I can know that you are really coming from God. Or this is really coming from God. By the way, even though Gabriel qualifies Zechariah as one who did not believe what he heard, but it still remains wise to question As we heard, Richard said last week, it's good to doubt, it's good to question things. You can not just believe, especially in our time today, someone can come to you and say, that says the Lord. For me, actually, I would have responded like Zechariah, even if you come out from, you know, my, all the doors are closed, you just entered my room, I'm going to question you, where are you coming from? And who sent you? Because there's so many things that we don't just have to believe, all kinds of things that we get to hear. You know but that's how Zechariah responded but when we look at Mary this young lady how does she respond to the announcement She is just confused This is what we pick up here she is confused She said how will this be since I am a virgin That's that's what we are told in verse 34 She is confused I am engaged to this guy You know, I am not really already in my matrimona, I think that's how we call it, home. But then people are going to hear that I'm pregnant. How am I going to be explaining this to people? What about my parents? What about my fiancé? What about the neighbors? What are they going to be saying? I am actually confused. We can see that she's confused. She doesn't see how this possible biological thing can come to happen without our being married you know i am i'm not you know it is biologically correct for two people to when they are married then they one can conceive but it is not really clear for us to say how can i conceive when i'm not even married to my husband to be who is joseph so the angel then had to explain to mary what is going to be happening the angel said this, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called only the Son of God. This is in verse 35. Now, there is a word overshadow. You know, overshadow is used several times in scripture to indicate God's presence. So what the angel was trying to say to Mary, God's presence is going to come on you. God's presence is going to come upon you. For example, we had it used in our Exodus series last month when we looked at Exodus chapter 40 verse 35. When the Israelites completed to, you know, they completed to construct the tabernacle, the cloud of God's glory went to settle on it. That's what we see there. The clouds of God's glory went to settle on it. The Greek translation of the Old Testament uses the same word. That's overshadow. It uses the same word that is overshadow. So, he was trying, the angel is saying to Mary, you know, the presence of God is going to come on you, it's going to overshadow you, you are going to conceive. Mary did not ask for a sign. That's what we pick up from the reading. He did not ask for a sign like Zechariah did. But Gabriel gave Mary a sign. Here's the sign. In verse 36. Telling her that your sister Elizabeth, as I am speaking to you, she's pregnant. You know, Mary, she doesn't have the story from... She doesn't know what is happening with Elizabeth and Zachariah, but the angel is saying, as you are going to be going there, I want you to know that one of the signs is not saying here is one of the signs, but it's the sign for you to know, to be sure, that when you go to your sister, you are going to find out that she is pregnant already. In fact, it's already six months. So, it is an example of what He says in verse 37, nothing will be impossible with God. I think many times Christ follows us when we are praying or we are going through tough times. And we can quote that and quote it sometimes. We quote it out of context. But let me tell you, this is a story that lifts up that particular declaration. Nothing is impossible with God, Gabriel was trying to say to Mary. There is nothing that is impossible with God. You might not be be married, you might not be in your marriage already, but I want you to understand, Mary, it is possible with God. Though it is not, we cannot explain it when it comes to science, you know, biologically. We cannot get to the details, we don't understand it, but I want you to know with God it is possible. By the way, when Mary got this news, she have known that this was not going to be easy for her. It was a risk one. This is not an easy announcement. Later on, we even see Joseph thinking about the same risk. When you read the scriptures, you find out the story. Joseph was also thinking about the same kind of risk. Why was this very risky? Because Mary could have been stoned and accused of infidelity. She could have been accused of infidelity because she was already bound to Joseph legally, she was in a contract with Joseph, and if people are to find out that she is pregnant, she could have been stoned to death. But yet we are still amazed of how she responded. Now let me ask you a question. What shakes you when you feel a prompting to follow God? What shakes you? Is there something big or small that you have felt God impressing upon you and calling you to obey Him or submit it to Him or hand it over to Him completely that you struggle to do? Is there something that God has really been coming after you and saying, I want you to really give me this. I want you to hand over. I want you to surrender, but you've been struggling to do. This is not exactly what we are seeing with Mary here. God is entering into Mary's life, is actually changing everything. Is actually changing the entire plan. And this is affecting our future. There is no way that God can move towards us without having to really change our plans. She is being interrupted by God. The other question is, what are you afraid of? What is it that you are afraid of when you feel and you are so sure that you are really, really hearing God to surrender something to him? Let's see how does Mary's response and courage speak to us or to you in verse 38, Mary responded by saying this, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your aid. This is how she responded. Mary, she's actually saying, I serve at the pleasure of God. I serve at the pleasure of God. Let whatever you want happen to me Happen in his service. This is what Mary, she sang. Let whatever you want to happen to me, let it happen because I am just a servant. Mary understood that her life and all that she is, all that she had, did not belong to her. She received great grace from God. The privilege of bearing the long-awaited Messiah, it is such a great, it is a grace from God. In fact, a great one. But at the same time, it is an inconvenient privilege. A few things we can learn from Mary is that She showed faith and wisdom in the way that she responded. She forgot her own plans almost immediately at the time that she got the news from Gabriel. She has faith in God's promise to her and to her people. She did not question to say, how is this going to be received by my family or the family of Joseph? She responded immediately by trusting God's wisdom. Next year, we'll be spending time looking at the book of James. And uh, what we will learn about, it, about is the true wisdom that we find from that book. God's wisdom. And that true wisdom is seeing God, of who he is, and responding accordingly to how we see him. Because sometimes human wisdom, we try to see God the way we want to see him, but not seeing God the way he wants us to see him. So next year is going to be that time we are going to be journeying through the book of of James, looking at the wisdom of God. So what we saw last week and today, right now, what I'm saying is that education, age, gender, in ministry doesn't protect us from acting unwisely if you doubt God's word, and do not submit to him above all. So to have great education does not protect us from acting unwisely to God's word. Coming from a wealthy family does not protect us, or having wealth does not protect us from acting unwisely to God. Gender or age does not protect us either. Because we can learn from Mary, this is a young girl, inexperienced in life, uneducated, yet the way she responded to the call, to the announcement of God, is really life-giving. Full of faith, submitting herself to God's word, accepting to follow God's plan rather than sticking to our only plans. So let me ask you this question. Where do you feel you may be lacking wisdom? Because this is a great wisdom that we are seeing in Mary. You don't expect this from a young girl. But yet her response really shows that she is carrying a high level of wisdom in the way that she responded to the announcement. Compared to the priest, Zechariah was a priest, for God's sake. He was a priest, but yet he questioned God. He questioned God's words to the point that he went mute. He couldn't speak for some time. So, where do you feel you may be lacking wisdom? James tells us that when we approach God for his wisdom, genuinely wanting to know his ways and determined to follow them above our own, God is faithful. God will give it to us if we pray. If we ask, God will give us the wisdom. So what else can we see about Mary's response to the announcement? Let's read the last section together now we read from verse 39 to 56 this is the second you know a few things that we learn on how she responded by the way she said the first one the big one to take is that she said you know what i'm i'm just a servant i'm not going to question god i am going to do what you want me to do and i will follow In those days, we read from verse 39, Mary arose and went with us into the hill country to a town in Judea, to a town, a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby limped in her home, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, referring to Mary, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And when is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb limped for joy, referring to John the Baptist. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This is incredible. Elizabeth responded with such humility. Humility. It went down. As she went down, she responded with humility. We continue to read from verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will come will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and only is his name. as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever, and Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. My second point here, and which is the final one, is that the appropriate response of worship that we see in Mary. The appropriate response of worship is what we pick up here. But let's go back to Elizabeth. Elizabeth's response makes clear. It makes it clear that you know, it, it shows whose son is important. She's pregnant with John, but the way she responds, she's actually pointing to Mary's son, the one that Mary is carrying. She is pointing to him. The way she responded when she heard the greeting coming from Mary. She calls Mary the mother of my Lord. She's been pregnant for six months. She should have actually elevated her own son, but she is calling Mary to say, He's the mother of our Lord. She knows Mary's son will be the Messiah the long-awaited awaited descendant of King David. She knows that. And the way that Mary responded here, we pick up that Mary is a woman of faith. She believes. That's why the words of Elizabeth is affirming Mary's belief in what she has heard from Angel Gabriel. And whatever she had, she hacked on that belief. We also learned that our plans were turned upside down. But yet she followed God faithfully. She is a wonderful example of a woman of faith. Such a great example. Now, what we learn from here is that she now expresses a response to God's work in a beautiful song. In worship. We read in verse 46 and 47 My soul magnifies the lord and my spirit rejoices in god my savior these two lines are in parallel to each other like many verses in the book of proverbs you find them they are parallel to each other mary reinstates our idea clarify the meaning of the first statement my soul which is parallel to my spirit And when she said, Lord, here it stands for the name of God as Yahweh, the God of covenant. It's also in parallel with God, my Savior. The one who promised that he will come to deliver his people. And I like the way John Piper uses a great illustration for this point. He says this. We magnify God the way a telescope magnifies a star. The star is huge, so huge it's beyond our comprehension. Yet it appears to us as a tiny speck of light. The telescope makes it appear a bit larger to us. And does a bit more like its real self. Just so with God, when we magnify him, we make him look more like he really is. On this world, in our culture, God appears small and insignificant. We magnify him and is still far, far short of showing all his glory to those around us. And the interesting thing that we find in the way that Mary responded with the song is that the parallel between magnify and rejoice shows that Mary magnifies the Lord through her joy. She really magnifies God through her joy. And if Mary had to go a long way with her pregnancy, complaining and complaining, she would have actually failed to magnify God through this process. Similarly to some of us Christ followers, when we are saving the Lord and we are complaining, we are saving and complaining, it's like we are complaining because we believe maybe that we deserve more than what we've got. Therefore, I am just accepting to save and to go along with God, but it's not working according to my plans. I would love it to work according to my plans, but this is not what we see with Mary. She's doing it joyfully. She's going to carry the pregnancy joyfully. She's going to walk through the difficulties of the pregnancy joyfully. She doesn't complain. Instead, she sees that God has lifted her out of a small world, a small dream, and God is going to display giving a grace that the world is going to talk about her. That's the reason why to some called the world who call me blessed. Sometimes we hold to our small, small world, small visions and refusing to let go when God breaks into our lives because we think that our happiness, our joy is coming from whatever we are holding. Yet God is saying, I want you to let go so that I can show you my full glory so that you can experience my favor, so that you can see that what I've got in store for you. Sometimes we fail to see it because we are refusing to hear God's voice or we are resisting to follow what God has been saying to us. You know, Mary accepted the call of the tax that God was giving her. And when God gave us something, or he calls you to something, he will also extend grace. And God gave her grace to help her during that process. And God, when he does that, when he calls us, he gave us a tax. He also gave us all the necessary things to enable us to walk through that particular And this is what we learn with Mary. Then Mary goes on and explains why or what she is so joyful about. Why she magnifies God. In verse 48 and 49. We are getting there. Because don't get tired, please. St- st- stay awake. You know, there, 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 were, there, there are 30 verses. I don't know if you realize that we are dealing with 30 verses and really wanting to make justice to them. This is important. So, from verse 48 to 49, Mary she's giving the reason why she's joyful, why she magnifies God. Listen to what she said. For he has looked on the humble estate of his seven. He has looked at me, the humble one. And nobody, from nowhere, no status, but yet he has come to me. For beyond, from now on, all generation will call me blessed. You know, not only one generation, but all generations, including our generation. Today we are talking about Mary. We are calling her blessed because she said yes to God. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and only is his name. He has done great things to me and only is his name. What we learned here is that Mary clearly believes Gabriel's prophecy. She's got no doubt she believes. She believes God's mighty. She rejoices. She magnifies God. Do you believe God's words? Do you believe every promise that is in God's words? Or are you just someone who came to participate in a Sunday gathering? Or are you a cross follower? just believe because others believe or do you read god's word and really accept and believe and wrestle with what god's word says and said i believe these things is true i believe God's promises are true because without that it is not possible to magnify god if we can't believe god's promises it is not even easy and possible to rejoice in the promises of god She concludes this section by declaring this holy is his name. That's why she said holy is his name. This expressions or expression sums up a praise. It really sums up a praise. She's just saying God is pure, God is righteous, God is just. She knows she's not holy. She's so clear about it. She knows she's not holy. She knows she doesn't deserve what is happening to her. She is nothing, but this great God has touched her. This great God has come down, has seen her, has blessed her, has empowered her. So she rejoices in God. She rejoices in God, thereby magnifying Him, because she understands that God is so holy, so pure. I am so far away from God. How can God come down and see me and really do these amazing things and choose to wake in and through me? She started to praise him, verse 50 to 55, and we are going to be landing. Here we see that Mary turns away from herself and they start to reflect on God's expression of covenant love to his people for all times. This is what we learn from here. From verse 50 to 55, she's no longer focusing on herself, but right now she turns away, she's focusing on God and the covenant that God keeps for his people. Times past, present, and future, God had planned a plan of redemption from the beginning of time. Mary now stands at the focal point of that plan, the plan of God, the the plan to redeem his people. With the infant Jesus in her home, she does not yet understand his role. The full row, the complete row, but she's carrying, she's rejoicing, she knows God is doing something, but yet she doesn't yet know what is going to be the complete row of the son that I'm carrying. But whatever she has is enough for her to really sing a song of praise. Listen to verse 8. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. She offers these great words of praise. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in, in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the angry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. I spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Now, what is the theme of magnifying God in these few verses? Here we see what Mary is trying to bring across is God's mercy, God's steadfast love, and his faithfulness is what is coming across to his promises as expressed to his people that's what we learn from here god is always working for his covenant people He's always working it was even a period of 400 years when people the people of god thought that he was silent yet god was working beyond the scene he was preparing he was preparing the way for his son jesus to come he was working beyond the scene and that promise is coming to be fulfilled through mary And something important, something important to note here is that Mary does not say it shows mercy to all of Abraham's physical descendants. That's not what she said. But to those who fear him. Those who fear him. He doesn't say Abraham's physical descendants, but those who fear him. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's what Proverbs 1 verse 7 tells us. It's those who fear the Lord will experience God's mercy. And what we pick up again from this praise, all these words of praise, is that God is the only strong one. He always takes weak ones and uses them. He uses the weak, like Mary, like Andre, like Estra. Did I say Esther or Esther. So he uses the weak I'll repeat again, like Mary, like Esther, like David, like Stefan, like Andre, Ryan, like Daniel, and exhorts them in fact, should I include also like Jennie? Eh? showing that he is the source of their strength. Whatever we do, we cannot do it without God. God is the source of our strength. This is what Mary, the way that she's bringing into, into her song, the song of praise. He always takes the pride, the proud, the mighty, like Pharaoh, like Nebuchadnezzar, these people, and a number of them, he brings them down. He wants to show them that I'm God. You may claim to be powerful before the world, but I want you to know that you are not powerful. It takes those who claim to be powerful and show to the world that you are not actually powerful. I'm the only God who is the stronger one. Worldly power, world accomplishments, world pride are nothing before God. They are nothing, indeed, to the extent that they make us think We do not need God, but yet they are nothing. They are worse than nothing, and they are very dangerous. Whatever we can accumulate in this world, if that's where we put our faith and trust, we think that's what makes us to be powerful, but one day when God will remove it, then you are going to see and realize you are not the most powerful and only God is powerful. God always keeps His covenant. He always shows mercy, but He shows that mercy to those who desperate want it, to those who fear Him, to those who are desperate, wanting to know Him, wanting to walk according to His ways, wanting to love, to follow and to humble themselves before Him. As Mary sees this. She sees that she deserves nothing from God, but like so many throughout history, she receives great mercy from Him. Then she overflows with joyful, joyful, you know, praise. She praises God, she worships the Lord. She could have focused on all her only plans but yet she let them go. All these points, at this point, she doesn't even know (laughs) what Jesus is going to be going through. She doesn't know the journey that Jesus is going to be going through, but yet she presses God. She doesn't know how Joseph will respond to this news, but yet she already says yes to it. She rejoices in God as Savior. She humbles herself and she magnifies God. What about you? Will you magnify God? You might say, I am not chosen to be the mother of Jesus Christ. I am not chosen to do anything important by God. I'm not chosen by God to do anything important. So how does Mary's situation apply to me? I totally agree with you. I think we can say with great confidence that no one here this morning, we are still morning, will give birth to the Messiah. No one. No one in this room. but you are like Mary in that you've got a calling of God. If you're a child of God, you've got a calling on your life. And if you are not a cross follower, I want you to know Jesus died for you. He caused you to put your faith and trust in him and to follow him. Furthermore, like Mary... You will only accomplish God's tax by setting aside some of your own plans. By accepting to let go of your own plans. By accepting to let go some of the privileges that are hindering you to save and to follow and to trust God fully. You might say, no, I'm not going to do that. But I want you to think about how nature has forced us the last two years to set aside our only plans. How do you rather think about the pandemic, what it has done to you, what it has done to me. You know, just by saying no to follow God and to lay aside what God may be pressing on us, he said, I want you to follow me. I want you to lay aside these things. We've been saying no and no. But this time we can say no to COVID nineteen. The pandemic itself has forced us to set aside some of our plans. How do rather follow God's way God's voice rather than waiting for another pandemic to force me to set aside all the things that I hold on to? I was expecting a bigger man. Amen. Now, the reason that there is not that amen, it's because we are not willing to let go unless something comes and pushes us so hard then we'll let go but we are not willing to let go and god is calling us this morning like mary do you really want to surrender what you are holding tight you know do you want to trust me with your life do you really trust that i am god i'm powerful i'm strong do you really trust that i've got you i know your plans better than you do I know your future better than you do. And we know how the story turns out to be. And we are going to learn that next week when we'll be looking at the king is born. As I said, Mary doesn't know. She doesn't know what Jesus will go through. She doesn't even know what she will be going through. But there is something that would sustain Mary. It is a statement when she said, oh my, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Friends, that statement alone will carry Mary through heart she will stand firm because she will be the one remaining watching Jesus on the cross because of that because she made a commitment to say my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my savior friends following God does not mean that everything is going to be okay we are going to go through a lot of trials temptation and sufferings but when you know that this God has your future when you understand that God knows your plans the plans of your life better than you do you will be prepared to go through pain and suffering you will be prepared to face whatever may come along your way because you believe and trust that it is only god who is in control he's the most powerful one and we can learn that from mary and next week we are going to see how mary endured all the pressures the shame that he, she went through into our community all the challenges that came along the way but she endured and the king was born and today we are sitting here because mary accepted to say yes to god she carried a pregnancy that would have brought a lot of shame to her but yes she said yes so that the church can exist today we give god the glory because of this young lady we give god the glory because of her We've give God the glory because of someone uneducated, unexperienced in life. She said yes to the call of God and she stood, she persevered and she accepted to carry the shame so that the king can be born, so that you and I can be saved. And today the church can exist and the gospel can advance and many people come to know Christ because of this young lady who said yes to Jesus, who uh, who said yes to God and said I am going to carry this. I am saying yes, even if Joseph is not aware. I'm saying yes, even if my family is not aware. I will say yes, I will carry, and I'm not going to terminate this pregnancy. Praise the Lord. Let's stand and pray. Dear Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the obedience of this young lady called Mary. We thank you for the fact that she accepted... To allow you to interrupt her plans, a future. She accepted to carry the pregnancy that would bring her a lot of shame. But yes, but yet she said yes to your weight. She said, I will carry it. Father help us. Help us, O oh Lord, to be those, to be like Mary, to be the people who surrender all to you to the glory of your name. I pray for my brothers and sisters right here, and I pray that God would give us enough grace to be able to endure, to be able to surrender, to be able to say yes to your ways, so that you may be glorified in and through our lives to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you everyone. Thank you, Pastor Andre. Can we encourage him one more time? <laughs> yeah, thank you everyone, for coming. Have a lovely Sunday for those that want to linger longer to have a chat, you feel free to do so. Otherwise see you on the 25th.